All right then. Hello, welcome and bienvenue. Konnichiwa. Ni hao, jambo, marhaba. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again. Episode oh, 309. It should be 307 really, but never mind. It's 309 on Sunday the 17th of December. I'm Phil. I'm Matt. And we're very happy to be joined in the studio by our friend Ryan Seven yet again. How do you, Ryan? I'm really good. Is I'm that... doing a Power Rangers thing to kind of introduce myself. Cool. I think maybe we should all have a go. Have you seen that mashup of uh, the, you know, the intro to Power Rangers where they go, Tyrannosaur, Triceratops, Brachiosaur. And he goes, Ronnie Pickering. <laughs> the last no. one. No, I've not seen it now. Oh, no. I will play it for you in private. Thank you. Okay. I look forward to that. A private viewing. <coughs> a private viewing. How are you doing, Ryan? All right. I'm doing great, mate, yeah. It's a bit cold, though, isn't it? Really? I thought it was quite balmy today. Today it's been nice, but like in general, over the past time, over the past period, it's been very cold, and quite frankly, I was getting sick of it. Oh. Is, yeah. that, is that not the nature of being in the age of Capricorn? It is, because <laughs> it's leading up to Christmas. You you segued into my segue, though. Right. Oh, messy. Yeah. Gets, yeah. Put, a, put a claim in. Yeah. Exploding batteries and stuff at, at the speeds we were travelling at too, so you've got, you've got to be careful. Mm. Yeah, Especially this time of year when it's so slippy outside. Yeah, I nearly had an accident uh, this afternoon really? watching football. Yeah, I nearly slipped on some wet mud with uh, Connie, Connie All-Stars on, on correct footwear for watching Sunday football, Sunday league no. football, as you end up ass over tit. What did nearly slipping on wet mud look like? What? Hey, I've got it. Look at that. Everyone went, ooh. Sign me up for Strictly. <laughs> Did you, I was surprised you weren't on the sideline wearing your flash new boots. You like to show off. It's not like I'm assistant coach, man. <laughs> it does, but that's what you're angling for, isn't it? <laughs> Come on, lads. What's it? Ron, Ron Manager, is he called? Oh, I don't know. Well, that, not here tonight. Ricky the, the Tomlinson. Boots. No, the boots are uh, back in the case, the glass display case. Are they? Yeah. So I'm imagining those... Green frog wellies with the eyes on the front. You know those ones? Yeah, a bit cooler than that, Ryan. Come on. Yeah. No. This <laughs> <laughs> is impossible. So, um, people probably want to hear about Christmas, right? Cause yeah, it's Christmas, Christmas time. time. Yeah. And we're all excited about it. Yeah, really. And it's all about Jesus, right, isn't it? Yeah. That's what I'm here to tell everybody. Like, you can forget all this pagan stuff, anything before, you know, 2,000 years ago. Just Jesus. That's when Christmas started, right? Year one. Yeah. When Jesus... In the stable. When Father Christmas brought Jesus in his magic bag. Jesus is coming. And then Christmas. 2,000 years ago, we have this orgiastic, capitalist, wet dream. Yeah. It just yeah. Like, it was like... Spend and well, borrow on godly amounts of money. We've not invented Valentine's Day yet. One of our neighbours and... Impress our girlfriends. Yeah, he's got a bigger tree and let's keep spending money. Yeah. Yeah. Put outrageous lighting displays in their front gardens. It's got to be said, though, the gift giving thing is quite old. Right. I was reading about yeah. this because, um, you know, that old Saturnalia thing that the, the, Romans, Saturnalia there, the yeah. Romans used to do. They used to give candles, apparently, to each other. And that might how, be how many candles? Four candles. Four candles. Yeah. Handles for folks. Handles <laughs> for folks. Apparently, that's where they. You know, that might be the root of the candle association with modern Christmas. goes back to the Roman times. Yeah, there's a, a little... I used to be a Catholic. <laughs> uh, there's, is it Chris, Chris Chris Kingle or something? Chris Kindle? I don't know. <laughs> Chris Kindle? <laughs> Chris Kindle. He comes around with his tablets. 
yeah, it's like you get an orange and then some cocktail sticks <laughs> and, yeah, and stab sweets into it. What's and a candle thing at called? the top. Can, cri, cri, crystal Candlemas. Chris Kringle is a thing, but I don't think I don't think that's the tangerine candle. Is it called <laughs> tangerine? Is it tangerine dream? Mm. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they're there called something, pagan. aren't they? Yeah, they're called know. something. Well, you'd you Daughter, know, damn gremlins. They're called someone in the chat. <laughs> Sam's just helped us out in the chat. They're called damn gremlins. Sounds gone. Sounds gone. Oh Sounds yeah, it gone. has. Holy shit! So it was muted then. <laughs> what was? Oh no, it's not that. Imports not going in again. Now, last time. This happened with you last time, Ryan. It did. It's you. It was a a cable. It was a USB. Yeah, Yeah, it was. Oh. 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 Oh, we're back. Blowing cable. What is it with you and cables, Ryan? Every time you come, there's a cable that pops out. I'd like to say something clever like, oh, it's my magnetic personality, but it's just fucking shit. Look in it, bruv. It's there just USB. Go. I hate um, these little tiny USB cables. Yeah, they just so, slip out. Yeah, and the they're US. so they're weak. Anything. Yeah, like a, I want a big chunky old style USB thing. Something that goes chunk. When you, chunk when you put it in, and then you have to screw it so it locks in. That would be great, wouldn't it? Screw in. So like, we've got the new Queefmaster, the Rodecaster Pro Two here, mm-hmm. and the power cable is a USB C plug in. Wow, the old inferior. Roadcaster was a uh, a barrel connector, a DC barrel connector that you plugged in and then screwed a lock onto it so that it would never come out. That's but professional. Hey, that's progress, man, isn't it? Making it's, things worse. Because things smaller are better. Cheaper. Apparently. I wonder when the sound went out. I wonder what we were talking about. Uh, I think it was pretty much there, look. We were talking about some nonsense about Chris Kringle. And oh, the, oh yeah. the oranges. Yeah, what? Well, I was about to say that it makes sense having candles around this time of year because it's so blooming dark. Is it not like something to do with, like, Judaism? They have candles, don't they? <laughs> In the thing. In the, the menorah there, yeah, yeah at Hanukkah. Uh, yeah, and it's quite interesting about those candles, actually. They represent the seven planets. Sometimes you have nine but um, if, if you look at Kabbalah, they have nine sephirot on the Tree of Life, stroke 10. Uh, the Tree of Life also is very much like the Christmas tree and, and has a lot of the same symbology. So I'm sure we'll get over all this stuff later. But uh, you find in all this occult stuff, it's always the same things repeated over and <coughs> over again. The planets are the seven uh, candlesticks on, on that menorah. Oh, I didn't know. that. I, I thought there might be 12. You know, Sometimes seven. there are nine. Is but it seven days of Han- Hanukkah or something? Is that what it's for, the menorah? Menorah. 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 I'm not sure. Oh. I don't know. It was obviously very important because it was one of the things, if you go, is it um, Titus's column or Trajan's column, one of the monuments in Rome? I'm guessing it'll be Titus's because it was Titus who sacked Jerusalem. But it's depicted the Romans carrying out the various things out of the uh, temple. And the menorah is one of them. You can go and actually see it, like they're carrying the Jewish menorah out of the temple. And according to the legend of that menorah, it was eventually uh, gotten hold of by the Rosicrucians and John Dee and all these guys and was. it is now part of the legend of Oak Island and and similar places um, that John Dee had the menorah and went and hid it. Uh, He's got a tower 
somewhere around that area. I can't quite remember. Some somewhere near Canada. There's this tower that's supposedly built by John Day on his little pleasure lake there where he was gonna retire. Or had some kind of stake holding in there. And that uh, this menorah was one of these artifacts buried by the Rosicrucians on, on Oak Island. I wonder what the chain of evidence was for the menorah, because you would think, well, the Romans would have got it, and then they maybe would have used it in a triumph back at Rome once mm-hmm. they'd put down the Jewish revolt. Yep. And so you think, right, okay, so it was probably stashed in Rome somewhere. But then how would, like, John Dee, who was representing Protestant England at the time, how would they have got it from Rome? There must have been yeah, an uh, interlocutor. Yeah, there's lots of things going on between us and there. Yeah. I frankly don't know. But no, and, I'm not even saying it's true. I'm just saying that that is the legend. Yeah, that he had it. That he had it, and, and that it was buried as part of this stash. It's also intertwined with uh, Shakespeare as well. Uh, I've also heard that it might be in... Uh, his tomb in, in his resting place. Ooh. His there's no Shakespeare, everybody. But that's another subject for another time. Yeah, get your bacon nuts T-shirt. <laughs> uh, you're not a, a bacon believer, though. Oh, you're not a bacon nut. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he's, he's to do with it. But uh, Edward de Vere is that the same family as the diamonds? De Vere diamonds or not? De Vere is. Is it? Still oh, they're De-Biz. Dutch, aren't they? That's yeah. the Dutch family, of course. De Vere is a hotel chain. As well, it's been a while since I've I've looked into it. I'd need a refresher before yeah. I was able to say anything too deeply on it. So, shall we? Um, so, is uh, Father Christmas real or or, or what? Uh, hang on, is there any little kids listening? If yeah. there are, there shouldn't be. No, but yeah, is Father Christmas real? Is Father Christmas real? Got a decision to make. It's not a trick question. No, I'm trying to think, think of a smart ass answer, but there's oh. not one coming. Chris, uh, Kring- Chris Kringle again. Well, when, do, when does Father Christmas first turn up? You know what I mean? He, he, he doesn't just kind of appear with Coca-Cola. No, it's an English... Father Christmas is an English variant, isn't there? The St. Nicholas in yeah. the, the Scandosphere. Uh, <laughs> the Scandosphere, yeah, because he was Danish, maybe? Or a Norwegian? Norwegian, surely. Um, and there was the, the Krampus. Krampus myth, yeah. There's another one in Holland where they have the Black Pete's. Yeah, Black Peter. Yeah, the kids who are meant to be, Mm -hmm. is it the Santa's helpers who go down the chimney? And it's very controversial now because they they blackface themselves. Yeah, blackface and beat each other with twigs. (laughs) I see, yeah, used to punish the kids, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I tell you what, let's, let's, let's wind all this back. Okay. So think about human beings, right? Uh, We have characters... And a lot of that character is um, embedded within our cultures because of our geography. In Britain and in, in Northern Europe, it gets bloody cold in winter and it gets bloody dark too. And so our celebrations reflect this. You can see a lot of, uh, a lot of the pagan traditions. Come summer, come summer solstice, everybody's mourning. The morning for the Donis, the morning for... Helios is going, he's going. That's because on summer solstice, that's it. Long, the lengthening of the days has stopped and it's yeah. only downhill from here. Whereas at the winter solstice, it's the exact opposite. It's like, wait, here we go. Good times ahead. And oh my God, it's been rubbish. We're still alive. Granny died. Let's let's have a good time and Life's celebrate. Life's going to get easier. Yeah. And yeah. as with Halloween, that veil between us and the underworld which was something 
always looked for by the ancients because the underworld and uh, spirituality and booze and drugs and good times are all very close. The, the underworld's got associations with your unconscious and, and the subconscious, so when those things are close, it's, it's night time. It's a time of revelry. It's, it's the winter. It's these long nights. And because of the long nights, you are that much closer to this, to this underworld, which is symbolically represented by the night, by the winter. And we've been talking about the Zodiac previously, like this this goat, this idea of a Yule goat. And uh, in the Zodiac, the symbol for the winter, for this time of year, is the goat. Because the goat, like winter, eats everything. And everything gets devoured by by the cold. And so it's the same with the, with this goat. Also, you you got to look at, um, going really far back now, you look at, was it called the Farmer, the Farmer Coss? Have heard of the Farmer Coss, anyone? Farmer like PH. Yeah, as, as in drug. Yeah. It's like pharmacy, which was also a word for magician. And I, 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 I was re-researching this the other day, and I wondered, like, why are they using that word for this, for this festival? It doesn't quite make sense. It might have something to do with healing, I'm thinking. So what you've all heard of it. It's a festival where two people are picked of, of varying criminality or, uh, you know, society might not like them for one reason or another. And so they, they send them out and one of them's going to be sacrificed in inverted commas and, and take on all the, the guilt and, and the, the, the sin of the tribe. And then the, the sent, through the centre into the wilderness... Um, here he is here. The goat. Just some heavy breathing. Yeah, I need to get a noise gate on that, that guy. Jeez Louise. Look at this. He's in 4K tonight. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Shall I keep it rocking? Yes. Uh, so, uh, we're on about these two uh, goats. In inverted commas, two people sent out. And one of them will be sacrificed for the good of the tribe. And they take on all the sins uh, and uh, are cast out. And somehow, magically, the tribe is forgiven. Uh, it's, it's later on called the Goat of Mendes and has this uh, association with the winter. And that at this time of year, the, year, the previous year is sacrificed because it's the end of the year. And so you, you, you do the same with something that you hold dear or, or something precious to you that you go out and sacrifice it. It might have been the king's son for a good while. It was the king himself. Uh, and so you see this seems to be at the root of, of a lot of the Christmas festivals because uh, even in England up until recently, we had a, a festival king that would be celebrated and uh, made into a king for a while and given all the the royal to-do and then uh, <laughs> and sent out or sacrificed at the end of it all, much like the Wicker Man, Ooh. which is they just flipped it around and made it summer solstice thing. So that was a, that's, a, that's a thing then? Yeah. They, they would, so they would uh, uh, kind of uh, make someone the fake king yep. for a bit. Mm-hmm. They might have it fattening him up. 
Yeah. And then they would either sacrifice him or send him out. When you say send him out, what does that mean? Cast out of Well, the... yeah, you got to imagine in those days, if, you, if you're outlawed or, or outcast, that's it, you're done. You can't turn up to another village. They'll, they'll have you. Right, okay. Kind of, kind of sounds like the scapegoating it is literally theme the from Judaism. Yeah, this is this farmer cross festival. You got to think Judaism, Judaism's like later on than a lot of these Greek traditions. It's fairly modern. Yes, pretty damn modern. Yeah, you so think it's so new, but it's not. Pharmacos. Pharmacos. How yeah. how old? Come on, give me a, give me a year. Stone Age, probably. Right. Okay. Certainly into the Bronze Age. Yeah, got like a long time. Pre-writing then and yeah. records. Yeah. Wow. Well, the the go, you know, the the people look at the zodiac and they're like, oh, it's probably Babylonian, and then takes a while to form. And it's like, yeah, but it it's, it's in the uh, what, what's the the Rig Veda. The zodiac signs in the Rig Veda. So that's Proto-Indo-European. So what are you going to do there? It's really old, the Zodiac. So these a lot of these symbols were already in place with some shifting, you know, 10 months, 12 months, whatever you want to be. But, um, yeah, and I think what it, it comes down to is, um, so I just said because the year dies, you know, it's the end of the year, we got sacrificed this year. Well, there's this character, uh, which is still very much part of, British iconography, even now, the Green Man is the same character. Much like uh, you could call him Osiris, you could call him Saturn, you call him Adonis, you call him Bacchus, and or Dionysus. But he's this Green Man, and that is the again in the underworld. It's this thing that that lives under the ground, and is the power that that pushes up the plants and the new life in the spring. Right. So he's kind of dormant in the winter. And then push you, you know, but comes back to life again, and then pushes up in the spring, and it's that cycling, recycling power that that Saturn is, that that all these gods are, Jesus included. It's like the force. The fo- it is literally the the life force. He he is the life force. That's the the understanding of the Green Man. Because I've never done much uh, sort of reading on sort of English pagan beliefs, and all of it kind of got crushed by the romans when they came and well, it, not crushed but things integrate yeah. and the uh mutate and evolve and well I, when i was a kid it seemed to be a lot closer than it is now you know there was maypole dancing and, oh yeah and you know there, there was oh uh, it depends where you live like uh, yeah. yeah and the winter fool you know the summer and winter fool You've, you've heard of him? There's the, the character with the, the bag on his back. Oh, he's the first card of the Bloody Tarot. Yeah. Well, he's this Green Man character. Um, there's another character that's to do with the Templars called the, um, and Christianity called the Wandering Jew. Um, and he was supposed to swear at Jesus. Jesus is, is hiking it up the, the hill to go and stick his cross on top there, claim his plot. <laughs> and uh, he's like, Jesus, you, should, you know, he's struggling there, mate. You know, pick it up, lad. And like, Jesus, like, I'll, I'll see you again, mate. I'll see you next time round. <laughs> and uh, the legend is that this this Jewish guy that was swearing at Jesus, I think he was a Philistine or something, um, lived forever. And that, that he keeps on coming round and he keeps walking mm-hmm. around the earth. And then you, you kind of get that he's Orion and this green man character. Because Orion, the, the the constellation goes, you know, he's a big bloke in the sky and keeps going round the earth, round up the right. hill, yeah. which is also to do with Christmas as well. 
Um, Orion is Osiris, and um, Osiris is a proud fellow in the trouser department quite often, and he himself erects and resurrects at this time of year. We've, we've seen that um, Osiris is to do with the pole star, and if you, if you go out on um, Christmas morning, you'll see Orion lying down on the horizon, and then just, just as... You know, it starts getting a little bit brighter and the sun starts coming up. You'll see him stand up. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, the the whole Christmas thing is is um, one, of, one of the early decodings. I'm not quite sure if it's true, but one of the early decodings for me was uh, that the three belts of um, Orion's belt, three stars, are the three kings, and then they line up with the star in the east, which is Sirius, the east star, Ishtar, Isis, it's all, it all, uh, you know, etymologically connects. Um, yeah, you can see, you can literally see it happening in the sky. It's actually quite interesting about Jesus' birth. There's, yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot there to decode. Absolutely. about Christmas and what they're really talking about. I noticed the other day that um, there's actually a manger constellation in in Cancer, sometimes right. called the the Beehive constellation, but it's. Uh, and Cancer's opposite to Capricorn. So because these things always come in pairs, if you ever see Capricorn, you know, Cancer's there at night. Right. It's so, a bit so, like um, the, see, the four evangelists, the way they relate yeah, exactly. in the sky. If, if, you see, if you see Capricorn the in the morning as the sun comes up, which you will at this time of year, you'll see Cancer as the sun's going down. I think the difficulty is, is that... In relation to Christianity, we're reliant on the Gospels solely for information, and it's not even in half the Gospels, the birth. Oh, the birth. It's no. only in, in Matthew and Luke. Yeah, a, a lot of it's added on later, and, you know, if, if, you, read, if you read the Bible, it's nothing like the, what you're taught in church or what Christianity believes now, and if you look at early Christianity, it's nothing like at all like Christianity is now. So a lot of it's kind of the legend of it, isn't it? It's very well, it's a mystery. Yes. Christianity is an other mystery. So for example, I was looking at the um Christian uh, catacombs a while back. Mm-hmm. And these are these underground places in Rome and in Italy where they used to go down and have services and yeah. bury people and whatnot. Yeah. And in like some of the earliest Christian iconography, there are nativity dis- depictions, um, particularly of Luke, Luke's gospel. Right. And uh, invariably, in the earliest ones, and then going through the medieval and the Renaissance, in the depiction of the shepherds from this from Luke's story, there's always uh, an ox and an ass. Right. And they're doing the, the sort of doting over the child. The ox and the ass? Ox and the ass. A doting. Yeah, over Jesus. And the reason for those two animals is the ox, the bull, represents mm. Mithras. Um, Serapis, the apis bull. And the ass represents Isis. So the, the two main cults that were the most prominent in the Zion. first century. So mm. the Christian artists are, are representing the two former number one mystery cults sort of bowing down to the new guy, the new kid on the block. Well, this baby. who turns up to, to say, hello, little man, these three magi. What are magi? Magi are magi- magicians. Hermeticists. They are, well, they, they are, li- 
It's often said that they are the priests of Zoroaster. Uh, they are Mithraic. Is they're not Zoroastrian at all? If you look at the time and and who who was in power at the time, well, they've been Mith Mithraic Magi from Persia. So that tells you something straight away. What have they brought him? They brought him some money and two drugs, frankincense, which we know now. If you burn, they they were burning most. You got to understand that offerings, the burnt offerings that you hear about in these old religious texts. What they mean is a big pile of drugs that they were burning in a tent. That's what they were doing. And then you got myrrh, which is where you kind of get Mary from, from that word. And it's she's to do with smyrna, which is myrrh in, in, in Greek. Uh, they, they, they put it into ointments. Jesus is... Jesus is when he, Jesus is arrested. He's he's got he's got mar on his face. Yeah, is that not is, is it not the Magdalene who anoints him? So Ma Magdalene but it's to do with his death. Yeah, Magdalene's Magda is like female for magician. It means female magician. So that what Mary's up to and what Mary's little all the Marys who all seem to be really very related. They're they're basically drug dealers. They're all, they've all got mare, and they're all, uh, they've all got, she's she got, a, Mary Salome's got a fleet of ships. And Joseph is, is a carpenter, but when you look at the word for carpenter, it means ship, shipbuilder. Right. He's a shipbuilder. In Aramaic or whatever, yeah. the original. So they're all like, they got links to Phoenician pirates, basically, in the drug trade. And, and as, um, as Ammon, Dr. Ammon Hillman likes to say, um, you know, they were all, they're basically drug dealing pirates. That, that's what they were all up to. And look, most of these old religions are pirates. The myth, Mithras, they're all, the Mithraic religion comes from pirates. They're all, they're all pirates and drug dealers and child snatchers. That's what, that's what they're all getting up to. You know, what was it? The, two, one in three people in Rome was a slave. Where are they getting the slaves from? There's a big trade, basically. Drugs and, and kids, particularly prepubescent kids. Trigger warning, uh, Christians. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, the uh, 12 apostles. How old were they then? Oh, well, there's, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard this about John because John the evangelist is meant to be the youngest and he's often uh, represented that way in the iconography. Represented with his head on Jesus' lap. Yeah. Well, yeah. they were just buddies, man. Who, he, the one who Jesus loved, he always called. Well, no, that's controversial because some say that the Magdalene is who the Gospels are referring to when they say the the, the apostle who Jesus loved, but it wasn't, right politically, it wasn't politically um, allowed to suggest that a, a female would be in the inner circle. If if anyone just goes onto Wikipedia, go and look at the uh, the images as John. <laughs> There's one of them. He's like that. <laughs> stood at the bottom of the cross most of them just got his head right on Jesus' crotch area yeah most of the apostles were between 9 and 17 where's that from though you just you, you, you put it all together it's, it's been said many many times many Christians think that as well right well Jesus was 33 and he was running a mystery cult definitely running a mystery cult well you don't initiate grown ups he had a bunch of boys around. Sorry, man. Sorry, when you're looking at us, it, uh, 
Yeah, we had a crossfire then. <laughs> you can hear me twice don't as cross, powerfully. Don't cross the streams. Don't cross the streams. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's been quite a few people noted. I, I mean, if, if you look, if you have that in mind, how, how old the apostles are, and then look at the way they're behaving. Like, there's one point um, where they're all in a boat, and there's a, it's a great word, this, a squall. Do you know what a squall is? Sounds like a, a little, racket, a little storm. Yeah, a little storm. Oh, a little squall comes in, and these are all fishermen, apparently. Yeah. And then they all start crapping the pants. Oh, my God, no, it's all good. I remember this story at church. You don't remember this story, Phil? I can't remember it, no. And they all start freaking out, and it's like, mm. what, a bunch of blo- There's a bit of weather coming in, a bit of weather coming in, and they're all freaking out. You, you notice that they're, all, they're behaving like children because the kids. Yeah. And then, well, it makes sense when you add the years up later on and, and, you know, because they're all doing ministries after, aren't they, and starting churches and stuff like that. So you got X amount of years after Jesus has died that they're all still knocking around. Apart from, was it John, who, who's supposed to live forever? Another one. Judas. He didn't live forever. No. No. Allegedly not. No. Uh, yeah, so the apostolic era... You know, was was suggesting that, say, Jesus dies at thirty three, uh, in thirty three A.D. for easy easy numbers. Then, yeah, if if say if you say, well, Mark's gospel's written about sixty, that would make sense. Come to the end of his life. You know, it's so murky. This this mm. is why I find it difficult to come to any sort of. Uh, Oh, firm conclusions. Yeah, no, I I don't even care that much. I, no. I had, you know, what, as, again, I went to a Catholic school. I hated it at the time. It was boring and messed up, and you can see now it's messy. You know, Christianity is very messy. It's been played with, plagiarized, copied, recopied, edited so many times. And the, the you know those root myths, those have had the same thing done to them as well. You kind of almost got to go back to Babylon and Sumeria to get the originals and, and to get them relatively clean, cleanly. Um, yeah, so I, I personally find Christianity quite a boring thing to delve into, especially because it's everyone's first touched on because we've all been indoctrinated into that religion. Yeah, it's part of the culture. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, let's pull that one apart. Yeah, but there's much more interesting <laughs> things to me. I think, I don't know if this is a real discovery, but I thought of something today. Okay. I don't know if it's a real thing. Oh, I like these. <laughs> you the laugh at me. But um, you know how the four evangelists are associated with different um, constellations mm-hmm. of the Zodiac? Yeah. And um, they make up the Sphinx as well, the man, the eagle, the bull, mm-hmm. the lion. Yeah. So um, Matthew is associated with... He? Aquarius. Thank you. The man. Yeah. Uh, Matthew. Mark is associated with Leo, mm-hmm. the lion. Matthew Mark. Luke is associated with the bull, Taurus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Mark. Luke. John is associated with the eagle or Scorpio, oh, Scorpio. the interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. And they're the four cardinal points mm-hmm. on the zodiac. And if you look at like early like arts, Christian iconography, they're, of, they're often depicted in that way. Like Mark will be an angel with a lion's head, for example, mm-hmm. and, and these four creatures composite to make up a sphinx, which we've seen on your previous, yep. like ancient Babylonian sphinxes mm-hmm. are made mm-hmm. up of those four creatures, right? 
I was thinking, like, the order we know it is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's how it's the order in the New Testament. And I was thinking about the sign of the cross from my old Catholic schoolboy days. And if you take the the wheel of the zodiac and and orient it so Aquarius is at the top, mm-hmm. Matthew, you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John across the four quadrants mm-hmm. of the zodiac. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a thing, but I just thought that's neat. Well, there's a, there's a cabalistic version as well where they do it with the Tree of Life. Uh, yeah, that's quite possible. I don't know. The thing is, the stickler is the Eastern Church. Mm. Does it um, right shoulder first, left shoulder first, the sign of the cross? The uh, left shoulder first is a Catholic Western Church thing. Don't know. I just don't know. Might be something in it. Probably not. It's probably just a clunky dink. Well, I don't. I don't see. I don't see why that wouldn't. Might not have developed. Where could you find some evidence for it? Well, I thought. Well, maybe I'll find out why the Gospels are in that order. Well, I'll tell and you it was what. Just a massive rabbit hole. Regarding regarding that lion, bull, eagle, and man, and a lot of tarot cards, <coughs> um, possibly coming from Crawley and and Levy be, before him. Um, they mix up two of those signs. They mix up like the the bull and the man, or something like what. They mix two of them up and just swap them round. I'm wondering. I've always thought is is that a reference to something that's gone in the Bible between those four evangelists? I'm not sure. Again, I don't know because the correlations are tight between the evangelists and the signs. Mm. Like um, absolutely to bring it back to the Christmas story. That's quite a good contrast. So if you take the two nativity stories are in uh, Matthew and Luke, Luke's associated with Taurus, the bull, which is an earth sign. Mm -hmm. And if you read like modern New Testament scholars, they'll describe the text of Luke's gospel as down to earth, right? earthly, good old-fashioned homespun wisdom. And yet it's the one with the shepherds in it. So it's, you know, the men of the land, men who work the land. Whereas Matthew, which is Aquarius, which will be an air sign. Yep. Matthew's gospel is more metaphysical, more spiritual, a bit yeah, more yeah. woo. You've got like the kings and there's this, and it goes into the pictures, uh, the drawings as well. So like dead early Christian art, when they're depicting the Luke story with the shepherds, Jesus is often displayed actually on the earth, like in a, not even not on Mary's lap or in swaddling, but actually on the deck on a bed of rushes. That's really Whereas interesting. Whereas in the Matthew, like the more um, metaphysical artwork, there's sometimes even on a throne for you know a depiction of the nativity and Mary, uh, Jesus is in Mary's arms, and they're on thrones while the Magi come. It's more kingly. It's more transcendent. Well, it's more, the. the... The throne analogy comes from Greek, and it means that you're on drugs. Oh, right. yeah. what, to be enthroned, it's, it's just literally like it's almost like a street slang, but in in this oh. Orphic Vox, you know, you've heard of the Orphic Vox. Basically, oh. when Orpheus was the the original Greek poet, he he's like, uh, well, the oldest European text we've got is is Orphic. It's about the 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 layering of the planets and the, the gods and the the realms. Um, that 
that what we call the occult and talking in this occulted uh, way of parables is, is essentially the Orphic box. Am I right in thinking there's some musical components of the Orphic, the Orphic hymns? Yeah, yeah, about? Orphic, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it was all done in uh, in a certain. Is it is it hexamic? I can't remember. There's hexamic certain, pentameter. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain rhythm, basically, to the to where these things right. are written. Um, yeah, but this you know this is so old. This is like the first European text. But yeah, so they're speaking in a certain way where they're going nudge nudge wink wink. You know, well we do it all the time. You know. Get us that China white, mate. I know that's an 80s reference to, to either heavy or cocaine. <laughs> that's China girl. China girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do it all the time. Yeah, and we're speaking cold, don't we're we? We're speaking cold. Jesus speaks in parables for F's sake, for Christ's sake. Um, yeah, and you, you, you can spot it. You can spot it, especially when they're talking about high mysticism stuff, you know, we might have been in denial for a good while that mystics were all off the red on whatever substance they could get their hands on, but of course they were. That's how you get into mystical states. So to be enthralled, you know, I'm sitting on the throne, I'm sitting on Satan's throne, I'm sitting on Saturn's throne, I'm sitting on, you know, the Metatron's throne, whatever it will be. It means that you've had a certain substance and that you are on the throne of that, you know, it, right. goddess or whatever. Right, I wasn't familiar with that yeah, yeah. meaning. Yeah. When you see some, so when you see something or someone depicted on a throne, you can sort of link that to yeah. some sort of mind altering. They'll experience. often have it in the middle of the pole star as well, like right at the top of the pole star is is God's throne. You know, there's the 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 cherubim that have a, a the countenance of a lion, a bull, an eagle, and a man, and in the middle of that is a throne, surrounded by fiery eyes or whatever which are the stars you know this is all these you know we, you could call it the Orphic Vox or you call it just the culted occulted language I read the books of Enoch recently a few yeah. months back for the first time I didn't enjoy it I didn't get much out of it to be honest I thought I was going to have my mind blown and yeah was a bit disappointed but lots of talk of thrones yeah lots of thrones thrones and thrones Enoch. yeah mm -hmm. yeah because it does it is quite trippy when uh, you read it you do think yeah, maybe the guy who wrote this was on some sort of drugs, yeah. some sort of psychedelics, just to come up with the like the imagery in it. And it, it's, there's a lot of talk of size and distances and perspective and how ginormous things are. And you, it does feel like someone who's had some sort of mind expanding experience yeah. to come up with it. Yeah, for what I know. But well, again, so the mystics were were ascending the pole. They were sending their spine. They were sending the Christmas tree. And I tell you, let's, let's use the analogy of a Christmas tree. So we, we, we've talked previously in previous episodes about, uh, you know, where does the whole Father Christmas flying reindeer thing come from? And we know that the, the in the older cultures, and it was still true somewhat, until recently in, in Siberia, the shaman there would go out and pick the, the red and white fairy tale Amanita mushrooms and then they'd stick them in the tree so, because they'll go mushy on the ground or if you put them in a bag straight away, you put them in the tree. And the reindeers will come over trying to knock you over, trying to eat them all. And you stick them in your bag when you've picked them all and then, you know, you give your reindeer a few and then off, off they fly home to take you back. And then you go and dry them out in socks in front of the fire Right, the and then when is. yeah, and then when they get to the right consistency, if you do it too long, they'll turn to coals. 
if you you know do it for the right time, they'll stay the little red discs, and then you go and feed them to the tribe, and they, they know who's been naughty and nice because you know in those states. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. So a lot of people who use or have had a transcendent psychedelic experience talk about ego death, mm-hmm. about there being no place to hide. I mean, it's like yeah, the ultimate no... introspection, isn't yeah. there? You can't, there's no putting, you know, we all wear masks. We all but wear it's, masks. It's almost... You can't lie to yourself, can you? Uh, I remember one time I'd had some ayahuasca. Oh wow! And it was it was a it was a small dose this time. I didn't know you'd been to South America. Oh oh many many times yeah right. South America yeah it's in my passport <laughs> left it at home so I can't show you. Um, so I'd, I'd only had a small amount and I, I was uh, I was at a ceremony with quite a few other people though, and I just had a small amount because I'm I'm doing I'm on this side of the ceremony not on the everyone's chaotic side of the ceremony if you get me. And uh, just I just had a small, very small amount just to make sure that you kind of get in the vibe with everybody that's actually taking it properly. And then I just felt this, um, it was like a little bubble came from in my belly and then just rose up, up my chest and then carried on up. And then it was this horrible thing that had happened to me in the past. It just detached from there and uh, floated up, came into my consciousness and I kind of relived it in a very mild way. Like something bad, something traumatic. Yeah, something like a trauma a, experience, yeah. Like a, a subconsciously trapped uh, yeah. previous trauma. But and I it literally was released. felt it come up. Wow. And, and that's the way it is. It's not like, uh, you know, you, you, you have a thought, oh, there's, I'm, I'm in that that event that happened that was terrible, that, that bad thing that I did, or that bad thing that happened to me. It's almost like, They've suddenly got power to come up. It's not like you're, you're. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think about that thing, and that's why I'm dealing with it. No, no, far from it. You're not thinking about anything, and then the little bugger comes up, and it's like I want to be dealt with. I want to be dealt with. Yeah, it's not that you got no choice. It's that they actually they have the choice and they want to come. Did you have any of the ill effects? Because a lot of people talk about the purge that happens. With you you kind of want that to happen. That's that's a good thing, really. Because, you know, if, you, if you're if you vomiting, psych- one of the things about psychedelics is that they give everything a profound meaning. Mm-hmm. So the slightest thing that happens, oh, it's very meaningful, this. And it, it feels that way. Right. Um, I can't think of a good way to explain Well, well I'll tell you. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say about the guy. I can't remember his name. Was he called? I'm going to say Gary, but that's not his name, I don't think. The, uh, the veteran. And on his trip. Guy Murray. Guy Murray, that was it. That was that ayahuasca? No, he did LSD, but he threw up some, like, black vomit. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And the massive, you know, like you're saying, the, the symbology that's attached yeah. to that as part of his trip. Yeah. It was like him expelling cr- yeah, this yeah. trauma from his yeah. mind, basically. And and even if it's not true, the mind makes it true by assigning mm. this deep, deep meaning to it. Mm-hmm. So what's going on here? Well, like you said, it, in uh, with ayahuasca, they call it la purga, the purge. Um, and I, I realized quite a few years ago that although Christmas was only associated with Christianity later on, originally it was Easter, was the more important, those two um, holidays are, are very 
very much related because Easter's kind of the beginning of the year. And yeah, so, it was in the ancient yeah. times. Yeah. Spring was the start of the year, so, not yeah, January not like Jan- it is now. But so is, you know, they're very related. So, so is winter solstice. That's also kind of the beginning of the year as well because the sun starts moving again after after the solstice. Yeah. Uh, in in Macrobius Saturnalia, he, he talks about the same thing, that even in ancient times, those two things were, were, were very much related. I forgot my original thought, uh, however. Uh, um, what I was wanting to get towards was that, oh yeah, I do remember my original thought, that Christianity, it's not just that Easter or Christmas is, is important to Christianity. Easter stroke Christmas is Christianity especially that early mystery that, that the cult was. And that is, you die, you purge, and then you come back again. So that's why the mushrooms and, and this revelry is so associated with Saturnalia and Christmas that the that what's happened is, so on the 21st of December, after failing to really go very high in the sky at all, Day after day, in fact, it's a little lower, a little lower. It's failing, it's failing. At, at some point on the 21st, stroke 22nd, the sun kind of almost goes stationary It does, for three days. It doesn't go up anymore. It doesn't go down anymore. It just kind of dies for three days like Jesus does at Easter. And, and then it starts moving northward again rather than just staying quite far down south. So at winter, you get all this this pole star stuff. Father Christmas lives at the North Pole. Well, if you think about it, you've got two poles. A pole means you've got like yin and yang or two sides of a coin. There's a positive and a negative to it. There's the good side of the pole and there's the bad side or the underground side and the, the over the world side. The underworld side is Saturn's side. Saturn's like this underworld god. So as we were saying earlier in the podcast, winter's associated with the dark and the unconscious and, and all these things. So what you're doing is you're copying the sun. You're doing these crazy shamanic things, having the experience, dying, and then being resurrected as the sun does into a new year. And this this is this, uh, this green man, this Saturn, this Osiris, this uh, Saturnalia. Uh, Bacchus was always there. Dionysus was always always there. He was the ancient god of drugs and and good times and revelry and and wine, and and that's 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 the reason that that revelry stayed in England, particularly at this time at this time of year. And when the Christians came around trying to get rid of paganism, they couldn't get rid of Saturnalia, so they had to adopt it eventually because the Brits kept getting drunk. All uh, every the the they were always complaining about the fact that they couldn't get rid of that. This is what this is where it gets so complicated, where you have these clashes of culture and, and different influences. As far as I understand it, it was Constantius who moved Christmas to the twenty fifth to Saturnale to coincide Constantine's son, which would be probably middle of the fourth century or late. Fourth so century up around up until then it was the Saturnalia ended on the seventeenth of December. Yeah, I think did it not start on the seventeenth, and was it was it three days, and then they they made it five days. Right, but 
as far as I understand it, the early Christian church celebrated Christmas. I say Christmas, Christmas, right? Clues in the name. They celebrated it on the seventh of January. Yeah, which is the feast of the Epiphany. Isn't that because of the calendar? I think that was because of the Julian calendar. Well, I would say the other calendar. Sorry, Gregorian. The the Eastern Church still celebrates Christmas on the seventh of January, still to this day. Isn't and that's... that because of slippage, though? Now, so yeah, I think I think there's a thing where so we changed calendars. Obviously, we we had we had different calendar systems going on, and because of that older calendar, is it the Gregorian? I can't quite remember. Uh, that now slips. It keeps slipping and will keep on slipping. I think the Gregorian calendar comes after Constantius, but I might be wrong. I've never even heard because of Constantius. It was no, fourth, Constantius. Se- fourth century, so it's early. It's pretty early for Christian for the Christian church. Yeah. But the idea was it was the Feast of the Epiphany. This, again, it got muddied. If you uh, Google Feast of the Epiphany now, it's often associated with the adoration of the Magi. Right. Because somewhere there's a text that says the Magi arrived arrived uh, three weeks after or however many days it was after Christ's birth. Sorry. All right, but... Have I set your coat on fire? <laughs> no, I wasn't worried about that. I was more worried about you. Oh, sorry. With your fact? But uh, originally the epiphany was the baptism. John at Bethany baptizing Jesus. Yeah, I heard about this the other day, and then they changed it around, and there was some cult shenanigans going on there. Yeah, well, you see, there's a lot of, I think a lot of the, the early Christians associated the coming of Christ with the baptism, not the birth of Jesus. So the the theory is, is that, Jesus is born, and he's a swell guy. Mm-hmm. He's like a, a perfect human, hmm. but he's not the son of God. But when John comes and does the... Well, it says it in the Gospels. Once the baptism happens, then he's declared the son of God. Like, this is the game-changing moment. This is why we have this massive gap between, you know, the first 33 years, there's not much to say. You know, Gospels don't have a lot to say about Jesus it's like, to me, that's the big moment in the story. This is what they're trying to get at. There are other books, books that talk about Jesus and, you know, sh- sticking his friends in an oven and stuff like that. They're, they're completely nuts. Apocryphal stuff. Yeah, well, you can call it apocryphal. It's just other writings that were around at that time. There was no such thing as the... There was nobody around to canonise things. No. You know, they're all separate groups. That they're, they're What became orthodoxy is much later on. And looks a lot more like Greek Orthodoxy than Roman Catholic Orthodoxy. Well, what do you, what what's your opinion on sort of Roman Catholicism now? I do you think because um, I I have uh, massive dubious feelings about the Catholic Church. Uh, well, you know, you practice what you preach, and they don't, do they? They don't at all. You you just look at a cathedral, just the. The gross splendor in there—it's beautiful, but it's disgusting, isn't it? All the gold leaf and actual gold, and you just take one look at the history of the Catholic Church, and you see the 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 they're just a control force for society, basically, and and their opinions change with society's opinions. You know, it barely looks anything like it did sixty years ago. Never mind two thousand years ago. I mean, this is the main problem I have with religions: is that they're run by. Uh fallible men hmm. who often just want money and power and 
Clearly. all the trappings that come with it. And it's the Roman Empire. Yeah. Just on two yeah. different we went, well, we can't be doing this war thing anymore. It's just not working out for us anymore, guys. I know, let's do mind control. And that's what happened. Have you seen that? Is it like a throne or something? There's a picture of the Pope and he stood in front of this thing. It's like a giant carved throne. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. serpents and demons yeah, and yeah, stuff. That, that's oh, that's, that's, that's that? the viewing hall next to the Vatican, yeah. Yeah. Next to St. Paul's St. Peter's Basilica. It's like no one else is looking at that and going, What? Yeah, well, it's, well, that's in a snake's head. If you look at the building it's in, it's a snake's that mod, head. That's a modern yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's got yeah. fangs at the front and everything. And it's not just, you know, you've got a paradigm. It, it is that. You know, basilica means a, a crowned serpent. Basilisk. A basilisk, yeah. It means, basil means king, so it means it's like a king's serpent. Hmm. Gosh. So I, th- I think let, let's let's make sure that b- before we get to the end of here, we've actually got down to the roots of Christmas. What is the roots of Christmas? It's this dark period where you get this underworld God, which is your unconscious. Uh, because you're at that darkest time of year, you're closest to this, un- you know, the conscious mind would be the sun, summer, sunshine, the unconscious, darkness, winter. And so how do we get in there? Well, we copy we copy the season. We die for three days and then come back like the sun does. Basically, we go in, we purge. Because don't forget, when after Jesus dies, he does the harrowing of hell. He, yeah. go, he goes to hell for the three days and then releases all the souls. Well, does that not sound like a psychedelic purge to you? And then off we go again. New year, Jesus gets resurrected, does all his, um, sees them all in that boat again and they're all naked in the boat. When Jesus turns up, when he yeah. gets resurrected and, and he's like, hey, Peter, shut your net out to the side and catch 153 <laughs> fish. We've already taken that back to Pythagoras in previous episodes. But um, all those apostles in the boat are naked. Oh, a lot of boys in the boat naked together. Why do they always have to be naked? <laughs> because they're doing a mystery. Jesus is like a master initiating all, all these young boys into the mystery traditions. Are they peeing the stuff as well? They are being castrated. Oh, God. The, I'll, I'll just say it. Very much a trigger warning. This is this is where we're at now. <laughs> we, we are at... Jesus was castrating young boys to make sure that their hormones work like a female so that when he plied them with certain drugs through the bomb hole, that, that they were producing... Uh, a drug through the semen, which you can see in early Christian rites, you know, in, in the the various... <laughs> look at the look on his face. Uh, if you look at the what's early going Christian... On? <laughs> yeah, what's going on? If you look at the early Christian sects, they're all having soggy biscuit parties. And, and they had semen... How is that why firemen do it? Firemen? Yeah, I've heard of firemen doing the soggy biscuit thing. All right. Mm. I don't know if it's I true. Don't, I, don't, I don't know if you yeah, have any firemen in, firemen in a chat. But yeah, if you look at, a, you know, they're putting all kinds of different fluids into the, into the uh, what's it called? The sacrament. Yeah. So look, when you look right back into the past, um, you know, temple priests, uh, temple prostitutes, uh, especially if they were male, were castrated. Right. A, to make sure that no one's getting pregnant, you know, yeah. especially if they're a slave in your household or whatever. You know, you don't you don't want you get your wife getting pregnant, but she can she can have the slave. That's fine. Um, so what they discovered 
uh, a long, long time ago. This is all bound up with Medea and Jason and the Argonauts. Um, that they were using um, drugs associated. Thank you, drugs associated with childbirth, and they were they were finding it as we do. You know, when a lady's breastfeeding, you got to be careful what you take in because you might pass those things on to sure because your body metabolizes. So what they were finding that a lot of these uh, these drugs that would would you know in, kill the pain during childbirth or whatever or, or bring on childbirth, that that the ladies were actually metabolizing them and turning them into different drugs. So they, this is the mystery tradition: you're turning people into drug dispensers, basically. And then that carries on. I know you've not heard of this before, but not many people have worked <laughs> this stuff out. Uh, and it's the female body that seems to be metabolizing it in the way that they want it to be done. So you can have that same reaction from a boy. You've just got to whip his balls off. I wonder I, if it's related to testosterone then. Yeah, more than likely. Well, the, the, the root word for the drug that they use in oysterous is where you get estrogen. Estrogen. Yeah. So I can illustrate this with if anyone... Don't. <laughs> if anyone wants to look at images of uh, Ganymede, uh, Zeus's lover boy, who bore the, his cup, the ambrosia, he, he's the dispenser for the ambrosia. And if you look at any images of, of Ganymede, he's either been taken away and raped by Zeus... Or he's holding something like a pair of cherries in his hand. His own cherries. His own cherries. Because he was producing the ambrosia. Oh, God. What they were doing was... Because you couldn't... You didn't have hypodermic syringes, so they were putting it on dildos and whacking it up you in, in a blood-rich area. And... Yeah, and then the body takes it in, and after a while, you start producing. Well, you, you, know. by, you bypass the liver that way as well if you go rectally. Yeah. This is the danger because there was a big fad with uh, t teenagers, wasn't there, of, of rectally consuming alcohol, and it's incredibly dangerous. Yes. Because the alcohol bypasses the liver, goes straight into your, the lining, through the mm. lining. Well, Nick Fleetwood famously had blown his nose out, so they were hoofing it up his bum hole oh. before a gig. Get him going. Gosh! Wow. So, and I know it's not pleasant to hear, and it it took me a long time to even get halfway to figuring it out, and then I've I've bumped into on the internet people that actually speak ancient Greek and are decoding these things. So, all right. So people are coming to these conclusions by reading Greek versions of what? Ancient Greek. Ancient Greek versions medical of medical texts, and also oh, you're you're text. asking me about Septuagint, aren't you? Is that is that what you're getting to? Well, maybe. I mean, that's the yeah. the 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 Bible wasn't written in Aramaic. The Dead Sea Scrolls were being translated into Aramaic from the Greek. You know, uh, you you've been told that Aramaic is the root of the Bible, so as to obfuscate it and stop you from reading. I mean, for, how long was the Bible only in Latin for? And not in your native tongue, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y you've been taught. The <laughs> There's a lot of people with a fetish for for ancient Hebrew, which wasn't even being spoken at the time. It was only used in the temple, and Greek was the lingua franca. <laughs> yeah, of the Roman Empire. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, all well, those, the, uh, yeah. The Mediterranean world, yeah. the known world as, mm-hmm. as it was. Yeah, so you had the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation. You had the Vulgate, which was the Latin. Not, the Septuagint isn't a translation. I think that's oh. the point. Sorry, go on. What do you mean? So that's the Septuagint is, is. as close as you're going to get to the original. There's, there's so many words that have uh, a deep meaning in the Greek and mean next to nothing in, in Hebrew. Right. And as it's been pointed out to me, there were very few words in Hebrew at the time and hundreds of thousands of words in Greek at the time. Right. And, you know, and enough. there's enough people. Well, I found out as well that you either study Bible studies or kind of Greek, Greek and everything else studies, and they keep those two things apart, and it's the Christians that are running the Greek studies, so they're able to keep it apart. Uh, more, more specifically, the Catholic. Yeah. Because um, I remember reading... Um, one of Bajant and Lee's books, the guys who did Holy Blood, Holy Grail, they did one on the Dead Sea Scrolls back in the 90s, I think, which I'm pretty sure I read this year. And they talk about how much of a closed shop it was when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And it was these particular, basically Catholic theologians. Apart who, from one guy. John Marco Allegro. Right, and what yeah. did John Marco Allegro have to say about it all? Jesus is a mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> and he was ostracised. He was, and recently kind of, pro- you know, more so proved right, isn't uh, it? The thing is, like... No, as fast- I understand, the, you know, his words, he, he, what, what he did was he traced back a lot of words to a fantastical route where he was guessing at what where that word had come from. However, the line of questioning that he's gone down and that uh, that basic idea that it's a mystery tradition and that these things are an orphic fox or a culted language for dr- drugs, basically. Look, wh- whenever you look at any old text from around the world, they're always coded language for drugs. Every, everything, all, all these ancient mystery texts, that's what they are. Apart from Christianity, which is completely different and completely separate to all the rest, you know? I.e. no, it's exactly the same as all the rest. It's interesting, Allegro. When I read Allegro's work, it's like, gosh, it's just so far over my head. I think you've got to be a philologist to be able to come to any strong conclusions. Otherwise, it's just his word against another philologist's word, and yeah. you're not an expert in this shit. So, no. and he's making you a lot believe of what you want to believe. Yeah. So what I got from it, having experience of how magicians are playing with language that kind of trickery that he's getting yeah. into is exactly the kind of trickery that they use to, to to occult the words so in in spirit i'm totally with him but the point is to all this that he was decoding the dead sea scrolls he was the first to release his work and that's kind of the first time that oh these it was a drug cult came up it opened the door. Yeah. And uh, without him being on the team, uh, we'd still, we'd probably still be waiting for the first translations because yeah. uh, uh, it took decades and yeah. decades. And, and the, it, you know, I got the impression reading <clears throat> the Bajan and Lee book that they were purposely dragging the heels. They were translating it and finding things that they didn't like. Well, yeah. And uh, so, sort of dragging their feet. When were they found, the Dead Sea Scrolls? 40s, was it? Late 40s. And then when was it an official translation? Still waiting. Really? It's, it's still, still and what translated. Did, what are they written in? Aramaic or Greek yeah. or? 
Yeah, RMA, I well, think, isn't it? It looks like, as I've heard it from people that know what they're talking about, despite what we've been told, they were taking the Greek texts and translating them into Aramaic. Right, okay. And you got to realise that cult, the, the, the Essenes, they were Gentiles, essentially. Not really... Yeah, they were essentially Gentiles. Well, who were who they going teaching? They're all going straight away. They're going teaching the Gentiles. They're not, they're not trying to convert Jews. Mm. They're going straight out to the Gentiles. Right. I thought they were a Jewish community in Qumran. <clears throat> kind of Gentiles. Yeah. It's not really... Well, as it was pointed out, um, I was watching, it was Gnostic Informant, and he was saying, look, there's one thing that no one's really put the finger on yet, and it's just such an obvious question when you think about it. How within Jesus dies, by year 16, whenever it is, there's already apostles, Paul or whoever, writing letters to the church. Yeah. How'd you do that then? How, how'd you go from within 30 years from, you know, a dude dying, and then suddenly you've already got church? Who's he writing to? Well, there were these loose... Mystery cults all around the place because they're all they're all based on the old Greek traditions, these Bacchanalian, Saturnalian traditions. So they're all looking to to link up anyway, and they're all Greek. Then they're not so much Jewish. They're just all these Greek traditions. It's all, you know, they're at Ephesus and. Well, you would say, okay, I'm going to take the mainstream view. Okay, that that was Paul's job. So it was Paul's job to go. He went west. And he he's went right. to proselytize to the Gentiles. That's fine. There's still a church in Jerusalem. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be Gentiles. James's church isn't going to be a Gentile church. It's Jewish. Are they, though? Is it a Jewish cult? The, the first thing Ju- Jesus has done is, is getting rid of the law. He's going, oh, the, that law's rubbish. We get rid of the law. The law's for criminals. I think people don't need laws. I think people probably call it Jewish because there was nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> There was there was nothing else until Paul goes out and and starts proselytizing, converting the Gentiles, and that's where you get your Gentile churches in Rome, uh, Corinth. That, here, that there, would and be fine, but he's already got connections to all these places already. That's because he's a pirate. He is. He probably is a pirate. <laughs> he probably is a pirate. He's a child snatching pirate. <coughs> Sorry, I forgot that bit. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever? Um, Looked at Ralph Ellis's stuff with what? the timeline change. Oh, um, the medieval, the ancient world's a lot closer than than it was. Set. No, not that far. Only thirty years. He, he puts. Um, he was talking about um, Christianity actually being a story about the Jewish revolt in sixty six to seventy. Josephus was it? Josephus, yeah, and and that the uh, the Catholics or the early church put. Uh, sorry, the Romans mm-hmm. for PR reasons put the story back. 30 years to uh, sort of divert attention away from the Jewish revolt because it was so close. It was a close run thing, according right. to Ralph, that the empire was up for grabs and Jesus of Edessa, as he calls him, was a real king and he had a shot when he was there was only him and Vespasian left. Winner takes all mm. and Vespasian wins, becomes emperor. And... No. I've heard it. It's good. It's it, was cool last, story, it was only a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's, mm. I like it. It's interesting. But I love all this. Sh- I love this period. Like you were saying before, that you, it doesn't really turn you on sort of um, 
Christianity and the the history and all that. But I just love this period because it's so formative for yeah. us and our society. You know, it but back to Christmas. I mean, it's the biggest deal every year, isn't it? It's a massive festival. We splurge all our money, get fat and drunk, and make merry. Would but, we still have but it again? Well, Would... the, the, my opening statement was <laughs> that humans are influenced. Our culture is influenced by our environment. Mm. Yes, we would still have it because it is bloody cold. We do get bloody sick of it. And that sun does die for three days before it starts moving again. And that's worth celebrating. I suppose the point is we've had it for thousands of years before the apostolic era. So without that, we would still have it. We just have a different name. The Romans had um, a festival called Bromalia. It was an Eastern Roman thing. They were bringing... Trees inside, it was on the... Oh, It was that right, time yeah. of year, they were giving each other gifts, you know? So, the, the, you know, there, are, there are little bits of it everywhere, all over the place, and they, they keep repeating themselves because these ancient shamanic motifs uh, are spread all across the world, and because of our environments, they repeat at that time of year. We're bringing in evergreen trees because those are the only trees that are around anymore. If you've got this power that's coming out of the ground every time the, the cycle repeats itself, this green man power, well, it's definitely, it stays in that pine tree <laughs> all winter. And that's a sign of like life everlasting. It's a sign that it's still clinging on. It's still here. It's not in many places, but it, it's still here. And it will come back round again. Just, just hold on, guys. You know what I mean? It's like this celebration of the the power of life over death. I wonder, like, maybe I'm just being cynical. Have that one. Maybe I'm being cynical, but I wonder if power structures going back through history forever, for as long as there's there have been landowners and aristocracies or oligarchies or emperors or whatever you want to call them whether it's encouraged this sort of festive yule yuletide revelry is encouraged because it's like it's like a release valve pressure release pressure pressure relief Mm. it's a shit time of year let's give the peasants a few days off i was just gonna say yes a little give him a little tree at the end of the year well don't forget one of them's gonna die as well oh god (laughs) Yeah. So you're like, well, here, everybody, have what you want to. I'm still getting something out of it because, my God, normally, as the king, it would be me that was sacrificed. A long time ago, it was me. Then it was my children. Now we've managed to get it. It's one of the peasants. He has a jolly old time. We drug him up, and he, then we just see him off at the end of it all. And my, my God is able to work his magic through me and through him, the... And I'm untouched by it, so I'm I'm really getting something out of it because, as we know, you don't get anything unless you sacrifice something. Any, any you know, all work in physics wise is done through, you know, an energy exchange. Well, it kind of reminds me of Cain and Abel, you know, because Cain's sacrifice is not good. It's not a good sacrifice. No. Yeah, the whole. Liturgical. Why? Why is Cain's sacrifice not worth as much as 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 Abel's? Yeah, well, one's a blood sacrifice, and one's an honest pain for. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm yet to get to the, the bottom pers- of that. 
Yeah, you'd have to ask a theologian or Jordan Peterson. His, his new book's with... all about the Bible, apparently. I don't agree with Jordan Peterson's appraisal of it. Is he delves into the apologetics a bit too much with Christianity for me. Well, he's taken an interesting turn, hasn't he? From just sort of renegade scholar, renegade professor who's been cancelled to... Renegade professor. That should yeah. be a TV show. <laughs> on his motorbike. <laughs> long hair. Next on UK Gold, <laughs> Renegade Professor, starring Jordan P. Pearson. You better put that down. <laughs> Tidy your room, bucko. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, he's, gone, he's gone hardcore. Uh, Jesus, Has Christian. He? Well, I, I, I don't he's, know. He's always been religious, hasn't he? I think he's always been... A believer, I think Reli- I, I would demarcate religious from, you know, someone who's not an atheist. He seems to me mm. he's a believer in the religion, but not in the myth of the religion. If you get me, yeah, I think I've heard him say that you should, whether you believe in God or not, you should live your life as if you it, you do. Yeah, which I think is is not a bad no. approach, really. Because, you know, none of us are going to find out until... You did. You did. Or you, you die. What was the um, the saying about the second death? You don't start living till you die the first time? Something uh, like that. Yeah, the, well, yeah, the second death. The second death. Well, the second death's what we're talking about, isn't it? This end of the year. The fi- yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the... Yeah, you got to taste the second death before you can live. Uh... There's a famous play by Oscar Wilde, I think, uh, about Cain. And basically, uh, Cain and, and Lucifer, Cain and Satan have a conversation. And Satan take, takes him on a, on a journey around and explains to him his side of it. And Cain and Lucifer comes to the, the conclusion that God's a bastard. And and that he's he's making man suffer. Man didn't ask to be born. Man didn't ask to work. Man didn't ask to, you know, have to worship this god that demands blood sacrifice and demands this and demands that. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's like a a discourse on on the un- unfairness of life. Life is suffering, mm. as someone famously said. Me. Uh, I thought it was John Pertwee. <laughs> it is me. Was it you? Okay. Yeah. John yeah. Pertwee. Yeah, it is. Life is hard. Mm. And so um, you're talking about work or making sacrifices. That's all part of the deal. Mm. Um, I, I always go back to the trust fund kids. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you hear these stories from America of, of kids who are born into wealthy families and they have everything handed to them on a plate and they fuck everything up. They turn into wrecks because... Mm. It's too easy. Too easy. Life's been too easy yeah. for them. Because the obstacle's so, the way. So obviously there's a fine line. You don't want things to be too hard. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. I guess the point is, is that it's, again, it goes back to hermeticism and light and shade. Without suffering, it's hard to conceptualize joy. Yeah. Um, how do you know hot if you don't know cold? Yeah, well, I mean, when when you've done a good day's work, the the feeling you get afterwards is is amazing, and you're like, I've put so much into that. I've got my little, oh, this is Christmas again. 
what Christmas yeah. really is. So <coughs> Santa Claus, Father Christmas, is Saturn. And what Saturn is, is this uh, this is a serial god of, god of the harvest. So if you work hard all year and get your farm right and grow your goats and grow your fields, at the end of the year, you come down to, to reap them down. And if you've been good, again, naughty and nice, if you've been good, you'll get the benefits of the harvest. Right. If not, you'll get coal in your sock at the end of the year. And so this is Father Christmas with his gifts at the end of the year. Who's been naughty? Who's been nice? It's that same thing. If you've sacrificed all year, then you get the you get the reward at the end of it. Well, a sacrifice is just delayed gratification. It is yeah. fundamentally. Mm. Mm. Um, you're you're giving up something now in the hope that it will pay off for an easier, you know, the what's it, the something uplands. The uh, what do they call it? <laughs> Don't know. The southern uplands. No, the the beautiful uplands. Oh, sunny uplands. I can't remember. But that's the point. Is that is that you you you're putting work in now in the hopes of a better outcome? Yes. And this is something that is seems to be unique to humans. Mm-hmm. You know, most other animal species aren't aware. Even humans. You know, there's a famous experiment, isn't there, with toddlers? Yeah, I was thinking and about sweetie that. experiment. Yeah, yeah. What's the sweetie experiment, Mark? Oh, when the uh, you you put a you put a sweetie in front of a toddler and you say don't eat the sweetie and you leave the room and if you don't eat the sweetie you get a pack of sweeties when you come back and they also eat the sweetie normally basically. immediately you yeah. eat the sweetie as, as soon as you the adults to. left yeah. so they know to delay long enough but only for a certain amount of time and then they just can't some of them you can see them like oh should I shouldn't I should I should, <laughs> some like, of them yeah, just should. in don't they but you know. Yeah, it's a very difficult thing, though, delaying your gratification, isn't it? Because you've got to overcome your hormones. Mm. It's increasingly difficult. So yes. you go to things like um, the way we're instantly served and taste profiled with different things, whether that be mm. uh, sort of like Netflix. Like if you have a Netflix account, it looks at what you watch mm-hmm. and then it works out, oh, he likes uh Weird sci-fi. I'm going to show him this. Maybe you'll like this. Well, all, all of social media is that. You scroll, it's that. It's, that in, it's dopamine, 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 dopamine. So a random it, it, reward it's, thing. It's, mm. the, it's the difference really between dopamine and serotonin if you're going to take it to a molecular level. Serotonin is your delayed mm. gratification. And dopamine is your, oh, I want it now, I want it now. I think most people can probably relate to that kind of feeling of tiredness when you're stressed versus like the feeling of tiredness when you've accomplished something. So I, a I've been... difference, isn't there? A massive. I, I was out filming the other day. I've been putting together a, a film for Netflix, a documentary for Netflix or some other streaming service based on many of the things I've been doing for these podcasts. And uh, it was a grueling day's film. I was absolutely freezing all day, having to look good. <laughs> That's can, easy for you, right? Oh, yeah. You, you know, you can't wear many clothes. <laughs> you can't be wearing puffer jackets and stuff. So I'm stood in this graveyard at the bottom of the Pennines, absolutely freezing for four hours. But um, And there was so much to get, re- to get ready for that shoot, different costumes, different props, all kinds of stuff. Were you dressed up as Venus again? No, <laughs> no, no. no, oh, no I'm not watching it then. Not watching it. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll put my costume on before. I'll, I'll do it for the bloopers at the end for you. Right, okay. Good. Give myself a little feel up for you. So go on, you were, you, it was a gruelling Yeah, shoot. it was gruelling, but when 
and it was the, f- the first time the team had been together as well. You know, um, it seems like f- filming's quite easy, and it is when you've got a lot of people doing it. But when you've got a few people doing lots of jobs, it, it is absolutely grueling. I got back home, had a beer, and it was like post-coital. Literally that same kind of heavy but light feeling, gid- slightly giddy, just such a good day's work. And that camaraderie you get as well, I, I think... Um, mm. Yeah, I had a lot of uh, beneficial hormones floating around my system, and it just—I did feel postcoital. I like rolled over and had a fag after I'd finished. <laughs> what were you saying about the difference between stressed tiredness and? Have you never experienced that yourself? I, I don't know. So explain. Well, I don't know. I think there is. A, I think there is a difference between. Um, I'm just tired all the time. So. <laughs> say for example, say for example, I do some uh, like at the moment I'm doing some painting in uh, a room in my house. I if I like do that all day, that gives me a different feeling than fucking I don't know answering a hundred emails because there's a sense of achievement for me, and I've accomplished something. And right. maybe I don't know. Maybe that's got in some ways got more meaning than a senseless pile of. Emails to someone, or you know, just getting worked up about different things. Yeah, you, that can be tiring being in that state. Well, I, I think post coital is the best way of putting it. You know, you shagged out at the end of a shag, shagged out, knackered. Yeah, you shagged out at the end of a shag, but you have that lovely oh, but I think, I feeling. Think, I'm just wondering, you know, there might not be the shame feeling that you get when you're on your own. <laughs> bad, I, get, I don't know if there's like to clean this up now. <laughs> oh, I'm a bad person. <laughs> I don't know if there's a difference as well that's being put on that around like the appraisal you make around it. You know, your the, the meaning that you place upon it yourself. But I, I, you could do that after the fact, though. Mm. You can rationalize what you've done. Your body knows while you're doing it that it's meaningful and it's hard work. You know what I mean? Mm. And you get that chemical feeling. It's not really a choice. I, I think no, it's quite yeah, subconscious. Yeah. I yeah. think uh, the other thing is what's the motive for doing the task? Yeah. So if you, you're painting, you're, you're decorating a room, mm. you think, well, you know, I'm doing this, and then once it's done, I'm going to be, I'm going to live with enjoy this, it. and you know, I'll enjoy it for, mm. you know, for the next five years. So let's <laughs> do it again. Whereas when it's part of like a daily, yeah, grind. Mm. Well, you're doing it for money, let's mm. be blunt. Mm. You're doing it to mm. pay the bills. Yeah. You're not doing it because mm. you want to. But it doesn't have as much Majority meaning, does it? No, that's what I mean. No. It's uh, it's slavery. Yeah. Wage slavery, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's voluntary slavery. Yeah. That we all take part in because of the nature of the world we live in. But that feels better. So, that, so what? what's your alternative? You could do that or you could do a criminal act. What would feel better earning that money? Well, it's still going to be the... The honest job, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's where perspective comes in. Yeah. Some people don't have that compass, though, man. No, they don't. Like, some people, it's like, no, I'll take the easy money. And the and, adrenaline rush that fuck. comes with that, yeah. Well, that's another good point, yeah, mm. because some we're, people probably get off on it, don't they? Yeah, we're slaves to our hormones. And, uh, and most of these mystery traditions, uh, the base of it is, you know, they'll, they'll have it symbolised by a dragon, but you've got to slay that dragon. That's what it is. <sighs> Gotta slay that dragon. That is your hormones. That's so rife, isn't it? In in symbology, think about uh, George and the dragon, yep. or Saint Michael slaying mm-hmm. Lucifer, the devil, saying yep. whatever you want to call him. This slaying the dragon thing, King, oh, not King Arthur. 
There probably is. There probably is a, an Arthurian uh, well, analogue. He, he is. His father was Uta Pendragon. Pendragon, of course, yeah. Five dragons. Uh, head dragon. Head dragon, that's it. Like uh, penultimate. Good shout, yeah. Mm. Or, or a pen. Do you think there's any historical uh, basis in King Arthur? Do you think there's maybe something from North Wales or down in Cornwall? Yeah, the, or? there usually is somebody. Some at, sort at, of route. Yeah. But again, Arthur, 12 knights, 12 signs of the Zodiac. Um, the Arthur's Wayne is the plough. A Wayne was an old word for a chariot. Arthur's Wayne is the plough, which is right next to the pole star. Arthur is the pole star. Ar- Arc- Arcta. Arcturus. Ar- Arcturus, which is the great bow, which is the, is the plough. It's, you know, round and round again we go. The the, the round table, the dice around it is the 12 signs of the Zodiac. Jesus was born in a stable surrounded by animals in, in, in a manger, which is in Cancer, we've I've recently discovered. Oh, the beehive. The beehive constellation. Constellation uh, cluster or something. Yeah. So what else? We were talking about his, his birth before. So we've, we've said there were Mithraic priests turned up with some drugs and some money. He's, he's surrounded by the 12 constellations, the animals, a barn of animals. What else happens at, at the birth of Jesus? Um, you get the star. So we've had the star in the east, which is Ishtar, Isis, which is uh, the the star Sirius, the brightest star in the sky. Do you mean in actual birth, or do you mean the, like the leader? <coughs> are we are talking about? Well, you know the, the nativity, basically the the story of the birth. We've got the gifts. What else have we got? The gifts. Gold, Frankenstein, and girl. <laughs> do you remember that in bottom? Yeah. And I'm a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the greatest TV shows ever. I was going to say they should bring it back, but unfortunately Rick's not Rick's no longer gone. with us. No. These, uh, I used to go like once when I was at university, and she says, I really like you, Ryan, but you look like Rick Mayer. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see it now. Yeah. Did you wear some wife fronts for her? <laughs> I had really long, greasy, sad hair, yeah. Pulled up like that, and I had some pheromone stuff on, yeah. It was great. Oh, great. That was great. Uh, what's the thing? We're missing something. What happens in the nativity scene? In the scene? Well, I was I was saying that, you know, the rejections. Oh, from the innkeepers? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. that's another thing. I can't come here. Well, Bethlehem it is, uh, means the house of God. Or house of wheat, sorry. Bet is house. Lehem is, is wheat. And that's Virgo. The virgin. constellation Virgo, yeah, the house of the virgin. And there was no Beth. If you look at uh, Judea at the time, which was a Roman province, it was an absolute Mos Eisley of, of a, of a place. <laughs> yeah. Like if if you were if you were naughty in the Roman Empire, they'd send you there. Like you you know to Bethlehem to to Judea to, to Judea. Judea. It was like yeah, okay. the armpit of the world basically, yeah. and it, it was like a, a pigsty and a and an inn. You know what I mean? The so, Wild West, yeah, like on the outs, the very like outskirts of the empire. Yeah. So, what, what the 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 fantasy of of the of biblical times and that biblical area is just not true. It, it literally is like a, some scummy village in Norfolk. Do you know what I mean? Six hundred years ago, just really, it's just not cool, and it's not true. 
I'm not even sure Nazareth is uh, has any historicity as a town. Uh, well, you, uh, the, the the Nazarene thing. That's yeah. Yeah, is it's a sect. Is a sect, and the snake Naga in the old tongues it means snake. So yeah, you know, and the a lot of the drugs they're using were, were snake venoms. Oh, that's a good point. Yes, we haven't mentioned that. Mm. And uh, because people used to, people often um, used it as a way to build up tolerance. Yes. And there is a story, isn't there, from the New Testament, one of Jesus' sayings, where if you believe in me, a snake can bite you and you will survive. Saying, isn't it Paul? Paul, it's one of the epistles. Yeah, Paul turns up and like he's bitten by snakes and like he's all right, he's not died, it's a miracle. That's right, yeah. And he's like, yeah, mate, you're totally immune. Well, one of the things that these castrati and and the temple priestesses are producing is antibodies (laughs) because they're taking they're taking snake venoms. Yeah, one of them. Uh, normally most venoms are named after the uh, most snakes are named after the effect of the venom so like dip dip sass makes you thirsty it means thirsty like the dip sass snake jesus when he's on the cross when he's dying i'm thirsty i'm thirsty he asked he asked for he asked for something to drink so they give him vinegar and it says in is it nonus or is it galen one of the medical dudes, Nonus, was was a Christian, stroke pagan, and he clearly he knows his stuff, Nonus. So you can believe what he says, and he, he says that the vinegar was a street name for the antidote for the dipsass because he was thirsty. And if you remember when they cut him open, when Longina sticks that spear in him, which which is always at the angle of the end of Capricorn, okay. just like however many degrees it was off. And you'll see a study either side of me. You've got John as Aquarius and uh, Longinus as Sagittarius and then Jesus as Capricorn. And then Longinus is sticking a javelin in his side and you've got blood and water coming out of it. Well, what Dipsas does is separate your blood and your water. It stops, it stops you from drinking. That's why you're so thirsty all the time because you, you, your, your blood becomes hydrophobic to some extent. That's interesting, isn't it? So you... Um... I was going to say, because I've, I've read some weird books, rec- uh, not recently, over the last years, who talk about potential conspiracy of, of Jesus being taken down. Assuming that we're assuming he's a historical character and the crucifix happened and whatnot, and that he survived the crucifix because oh, yeah. of the snake venom, mm-hmm. and he was given the antidote on the vinegar, or the anaesthetic, which allowed him to be uh, conked out, stabbed, and then taken Brought into the tomb. Again. Yeah. Because he's dead when he gets because, stabbed, isn't he? Because of uh, old Simon Magus. You right. Might have had, you know, knowledge of such compounds and drugs. Well, Simon Magus was worshipped like Jesus was worshipped for a good while. For well, he had his own sex. sect. Yeah, yeah. He had his own sect. Him and his wife. What was his wife called? Karen. Yeah. Karen, Karen Magus. Karen Magus, yeah. <laughs> Probably Mary. They're all called Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you not buy? Do you not buy a historical Jesus? Are you on the fence or there, don't care? There was, it looks like I think most scholars agree that there was a dude. A dude. The rest is nonsense, isn't it? It's like I, I, I'm with you on that. I agree with that for the point that why would these Roman historians even mention the guy if if he didn't exist, like Christos or 
you know, they mentioned Pontius Pilate, they mentioned John the Baptist. It's like yeah. there, there are non-Christian references to New Testament characters. Characters, not Jesus himself, though. Well, Christos, well, I would say. That, that's an old cultic thing for people that have been anointed with drug oils. Well, it, yeah, it, it meant so, anointed. It's like Christ, Christ means anointed one. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he's the guy who would be the anointed one at that time. So you, you assume yeah. they're talking about but the, the same the guy. But the title Christ is, is a feminine one and is applied to goddesses like Demeter and things like that. The mystery tradition goddesses, mostly, for like 2,000 years before Jesus is around. So uh, it's quite late. I mean, the the whole... They were using fats, basically. Like, it starts off with crocodile fat in Egypt and places like that. And there are... <laughs> the grabbing crocodiles and flipping them over and milking them. They're doing, milking a, they're doing lots of things to, to crocodiles, yeah. But then they're getting the fat and then dissolving all kinds of stuff into them. What did they dissolve into the fat? How do you get fat out of a crocodile? Drugs. They look pretty lean. They are quite lean, yeah. Well, first of you all, rented them down. You have your way with them first. Oh God! Yeah, you flip them over. You have your way with them, and then kill them, and then yeah, you just slit them up, and then there's subcutaneous fat. Why would you have your way with it? Because they're the ancients, just mate. The ancients were they? off the heads. Do they? Yeah. Even, I don't know. How, how, I thought they laid eggs. They do. Yeah. Is it the bum there, hole? Is it the I don't bum know. Hole, I didn't look into it that far. But lift the tail up. Oh, <laughs> They have hey, look, a, <laughs> putting you really in it's really sure something to do these ancients, aren't they? They just try any old shit. Yeah, mm. Facebook wasn't around in those days, Don't so they couldn't, they couldn't just scroll. No, even radio with the scrolls like that, like it won't, it won't zoom in. It's not been invented yet, mate. Oh fuck's sake! Let's go and shag a crocodile. Yeah, that's pretty. It's only Thursday, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh dear, it's pretty dark. I like the uh, the Christmas tree. I, I was I was thinking because I know I'd read somewhere about you know the mainstream will track back to some point like three hundred years ago where they've pictures of people starting to bring Christmas trees into yeah. the house. But the fact that these this it's thing goes back so, so much old, yeah. Well, we're talking about Mary a lot. Uh, you, you look at the Mary cult thing and. A name kind of goes back to uh, a tree, which the mer, you know, mer, and like you the get mer tree, uh, not um, mar, but M Y R R H. Oh, mer tree. Yeah, and then then because they're all resins, aren't they? Mm. And then it's basically like the Asherah. You've heard of the Asherah pole? God's wife was was a tree, basically a pole, and so it's this feminine form. Um, it's all over the place, the the feminine tree worship. I mean, the Druids were still doing it. You could talk about Chris, Christmas and mistletoe. and, and But know. it's one of Yahweh's injunctions, isn't it, to remove the Asherah? Yeah, but These, that was his wife originally. That's, yeah, her, yeah, that's what I'm getting at, because that's what, that was the, the move to monotheism. Yes. You know, discounting Aten. Uh, and all that stuff, yeah. Well, the Walsh, the, heresy, well, Egyptian heresy. Yeah, well, they're, they're all... You could you could talk. Paganism's mentioned as as if it's the only polytheistics, uh, and when you look at both Christianity and paganism, they're both polytheistic. They just changed the names of the gods to angels, and the saints became you know lower deities. It's still like, and in the 
polytheistic traditions, they they still got fannies and and the guys at the beginning. They they still like it came from one thing and then it it breeds off and splits and then right. you get the genealogy of the gods. They, there's there's still a root thing, you know, Aten for for the or Atum for for the for the Egyptians. It was fannies or Ion for the, for the Greeks and Romans. Um, you know, Zoroastrians had um, that dude. I can't remember right now. Zervan. Is he the pole god? I think it's Zervan. Yeah, Zervan. Um, the the early Christians had the Gnostics had a Braxas. Uh, you know, it all the Ahura Mazda. Yeah, Ahura Mazda. The, the Persians. Yeah. The, the, you can always trace it back to some uh, hermaphroditic, undifferentiated energy source. Um, George Lucas calls it the force. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's it, Lucifer is another word for it. I guess that's the point. Is that the really all all religions are monotheistic in a way? Yeah, they all go back to a yeah. to a root. Yeah, source hmm. the uncaused first cause. Yeah, as you the, might the, it. In in uh, Judaism, it's called Ein Soft, the the undifferentiated, like limitlessness. Um, science has a name for it, like the quantum field. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's always there's always a, a root. What do you think about Gnosticism and the Gnostic creation myth? And that they talk about, um, you know, Aeon, you, you sort of create a god, and then Sophia, who brings. Um, the demiurge. Uh, yep. What's the bloody word? Uh, Yaldabaoth. Yaldabaoth. Uh, who's the creator god? So, I I wouldn't like to speak on Gnosticism in particular because there's many variations on the the orders and stuff like that. Yeah. And it gets very confusing. Quite frankly, I've never been able to to hold all the different sects in my head. There's there's a general order which you kind of just went over then. Um. I would like to speak on the world of the mystics, the, the 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 physics of the mystics compared to modern physics, and it does seem more often than not to 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 line up. That that's very interesting. That you know you could talk about not that string theory is particularly look um, particularly appreciated anymore, but the the sephirot on the tree of life, the 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 emanations and the order of things on Tree of Life seems to line up with a lot of string theory. Um, just things like the Big Bang, although that's fallen out of favour as well recently. Uh, the thought experiment that would lead you to the Big Bang is very similar to what mystics have been talking about with, with this Gnostic order of emanations. Um, I, I think that to much of an extent just by thinking about first principles, that you can derive an order of things, uh, of creation, as it were, and that any decent scientific theory is, is going to relate to one of the very few mystical theories of, of the creation of the universe. And that is that you've got a thing... I forgot who said it. There's a famous one where, oh, it's Nassim Haramein. He said, look, you know, they're on about the Big Bang. And they say, well, it's it's like suddenly this bag, this balloon expanded 
And he goes, yeah, that's great. I really like that. Who's the guy blowing the balloon up? You know, what's the first principle? Terence McKenna famously said. Give us one. Give us. Give me one free miracle and I'll explain the rest. Yeah. And that's what science is. Yeah. Um, But going back to the word, uh, sorry, the balloon, that, that would say, you know, a Gnostic or a Christian would say that in the beginning was the word. The word, yeah. The word was with God, that expulsion of breath. Is the, the, the pneuma. The pneuma. The yeah, pneuma. The Greek, yeah. Yeah. Pneuma is in like pneumatic, like is in breath, is in an air. And you got to think that air mystically contains fire and water. So you got yin and yang in there, male and female. Well, then you've got the monad and the doad. The, the, you've got the, the monad and of the, of the, the pneuma yeah. and then the fire and water yeah. of the doad. Straight away, yeah. Night and day. It's, it's polarity. Uh, polarity. The beginning. Uh, mm. And and from those two things mixing, you get the 10,000 things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can... Well, I, I've got to say, putting my own mystical experiences in there, there's something about that death-rebirth thing that gives you... There's something of a create, recreation of the universe within that coming back to consciousness. It certainly happened to me that... I've often said on this podcast many times that there was a a, a me and a you and a here and a there and a light and a dark and a uh, uh, there was just duality and it all just started kind of putting itself together with my consciousness as I came back to consciousness from a, a null nothingness state. So perhaps there's actually something in that process of mysticism that is a rhyme for the creation of the universe. Perhaps the 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 layers of consciousness that it takes to get to human consciousness from, let's say, a, a mineral consciousness of, of hardly being there through a vegetable consciousness of, oh, I'm growing, I'm a thing, an animal uh, awareness to, to a self-awareness of a human and putting all those stages together is something like the creation of the universe. I'm making this up as I go along, but it oh, does like seem it. that way. It's an analogue. Yeah. An analog. And it makes you think, well, what's coming next? Because we're not the, the definite article. We're not no, the finished not, product. No. So no, what comes next? And is there a role for psychedelics in... Uh... Oh, it doesn't have to be psychedelics. People do this through meditation. Changing through... consciousness, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're Western, though, and it's, uh, you know, scientifically repeatable to some extent. But I mean, our... Con- our... Consciousness-changing drugs. Our consciousness is limited by our perceptual organs. Yeah. Sight, sound, taste, smell, mm-hmm. all the rest of it, and the spectrums that limit those things. They are limiters. Definitely, yeah. Otherwise, you'd go insane as well. Yeah. It's like what they say about the brain. You use like 9% of it or something. Probably less for me. <laughs> but like, <coughs> if your conscious brain was just unleashed, if, if, if that filter wasn't there, yeah. you would go insane. You would just not be able to what? operate. You would be catatonic it because might... information overload. Imagine being able to see everything in a room. Just take, pick one room. You can see everything in that room at all times. You'd, you couldn't... You, you need to filter it out. And to the mystics, that's what the body is. It's, it's a filter from being being the universe. From return to oneness. Being yeah. a, a shard of light. Because if you're one, there's nothing to learn. Because you're everything. What's that, that got to do with Christmas? <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. Not, what was the Gnostic Christmas then? I pre- I don't, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Uh... There was no Christmas in Gnosticism. Or I don't is know. No? Don't think so. 
No, no birth. It, it was all Easter at that time. The the Christmas thing is because it had been twenty fifth. Some of it's because the Mithraists. Mithraism was was a a cult that came up alongside Christianity. They shared many of the same traditions. It's all based on astrology, so it's, of course it does. Um, but then the British, the English, had held on to all these pagan traditions much more than everywhere else because they couldn't get rid of it. Cromwell couldn't get rid of it. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? So it, it just carried on. So eventually they had to assimilate it. He did try and cancel Christmas, though. He, he did, did do yeah. it one year, didn't he? Yeah. And then he reneged. Yeah, how did it didn't end well for him though, did it? No. Yeah. No. Don't cancel Christmas, he felt a bit mate. Poorly and, after that, yeah. And his son. Mate. Son got. Yeah, don't cancel Christmas. Don't mess with our bloody pagan festivals, man. Do you know? Just leave us alone so we can have a good time. I, I saw you Frank from calling it Christmas then. Sorry, I have started calling it uh, Saturnalia. Have you? Yeah. Just because it I don't sorry guys, I'm not that big a fan of religions. And Saturnalia just seems like a... I know it is still religious, but not not really. What I else like, would you call it? I don't want to call it the, the Winter Festival, because it'll give the wokists the... the, the what about uh, Yuletide? Again, that, that's religious, isn't it? Why? Where, where's Yule... Where's the Yule... It's England. Is that an English thing? Yeah, it's an English thing. It, it's uh, in a lot of the Scandinavian countries, the, there's still Yule... But ours is a preservation of when it came around the first time. It's not like we've reborrowed one of their things. Yeah, it was, it was still called Yule. Well, you get the Yule goat again because of Capricorn that time of year, this sacrificial goat from this um, Pharmacos idea. Yeah. And and again, I, I think it's the year gone and the year coming. You sacrifice the goat, you know, you, you put all your, your problems onto it and then uh, and then sacrifice it. Yeah, you've got one face looking back at the previous year, and one looking forward, and then sacrificing the goat, looking forward yeah. in the hopes of something better in the, over the next twelve mm-hmm. months. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I would just, um, I mean, the problem I have with celebrating Saturnalia is we don't have slaves anymore. I know. You know, maybe we should start that again too. <laughs> Do you think? Um, Bring back slavery. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't. No, I don't. Sure, no, I'm wait sure a minute. Like, a lot of people are thinking, like, well, you know, it would be racist now to go and pick on any one of these individual people. So I think do as Jesus did and go for the kids because then it won't be um, racist, then, will it? Okay. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, I think it's sensible. You smirk at me, Phil, but, you know, I don't hear any better ideas. No, it's as, as good as I can come up with. Can we keep um, crackers, though? Jacob's crackers are the, both, the snapping both. Christmas crackers. I wonder where where do Christmas crackers come from? Do you think uh, it's nineteen twenties or something like that? Isn't it? Oh, yeah. modern. It's quite recent. Yeah, surely it has some roots in paganism. Christmas crackers. That's how if... they started the Wicker Man with crackers. Mm. They went. We, just, we don't just want one crack. Yeah, we want hundreds and thousands of cracks. Yeah, because gunpowder has been around ages. Yeah, Chinamen. Mm. Old Chinese had it thousands of years ago. Exactly. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. What's the Chinese equivalent of like the end of year festival? I wonder. Chinese New Year. <laughs> when is that? January, isn't it? No, it's later than that, isn't it? Isn't it March? Oh, I don't know. Whole fat joy. But do they do they get pissed up? And I think it's like a, it's like a have week. a week off. Yeah, I they, think... they have a week of celebrations. They all go yeah. home. 
There was one, uh, yeah, because I'm thinking back to 2020. Wasn't that uh, a super, was spreader, super spreader event? Chinese New Year. I thought it might have got cancelled. Was it? Did they cancel it? Cromwell style. Maybe. Um, the old COVID. But I think it's like the one week of the year that they actually don't have to work, basically. They don't have to make iPhones in a sweatshop. Yeah, basically, yeah. And the old, like you say, the old, like, you know, if they've moved to a, a big city, you know, and they travel across the country. To well, you know, home. if I had my way, the kids would be able to work all year round. <laughs> Well, you're giving them five days off for Saturnalia, aren't you? Yeah. I know. That's pretty inefficient. Well, what should we do? Should we wrap up? We've done that nearly two hours now. Have we really? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Anyone has anything else to say? Uh, Happy Saturnalia, everyone. You'll... Seasonal greetings. You'll regret that. (laughs) (laughs) You're out there, Ben. Yeah, hiya. Oh, hiya. <laughs> We're going now. See ya. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Have you got any uh, you right? Saturnalian observations? <laughs> um, not really. I mean, I'm a I'm a Christmas guy, so. <laughs> I mean, you look like Father Christmas right now with your red top and your huge beard. Well, it's funny you say that. Um... <laughs> oh, oh yeah, he got dressed up, didn't he, the other way? He was the uh, did, yeah. he was the sacrificial king <laughs> he was. in his village fate. <laughs> I def- was. I've done, I've done my is. national service. Um, <laughs> is it like jury course. duty? Where was this then? In a, in uh, a, a rural village, what I live in. A rural village that won't be mentioned because it's embarrassing. We like have gravy wrestling championships and stuff, you know, maypole stuff. <laughs> I was going to say that earlier because you were talking about how disconnected mm. we are in the cities. But if if you go up to like Longridge, mm. they have and all the villages around there, they have field days every summer. Yeah, yeah. And they have a they have right. a May Queen and they have floats yeah. up down. They shut all the roads and in mine have too. Floats. We'd have a fool leading the procession who would have been that sacrificial king. Pram race. Uh, no, that, no, that's no the council estate just around the corner. But they're, they're not the, normally allowed to turn up. What the hanky chief? Uh, dancers called with bells on Morris the Morris dancers. Morris yeah. dancing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've lost touch with these pagan traditions. Yeah, they were still there when I was a kid, though. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah, they're still if there that, now if you're in the right place. They the are right still place. there now, yeah. You, mm. You've got to dig a little, scratch the surface, and there's all kinds of shit going on in all these little places around Britain. Mm. I'd I love like to it. do a tour. We, we've mentioned a couple of, we've had a couple of guests who said, you know, my town does something bonkers like what's the thing where they throw they do like chase a pig's bladder through the streets or something and it turns into a massive fight so everyone's pissed up that sort of thing will have its roots in in, uh, you know pagan traditions but I bet there's loads there must be a book somewhere like cheese rolling where's the cheese roll yeah Yeah. cheese rolling yeah cheddar gorge Gloucestershire Gloucestershire Uh, there's that place in Cornwall beginning with P per put put Padstow, Padstow ah, Festival. That's, that's a That's the one. guest I was thinking of. Who, who was it? He was in Cornwall and he was telling us about uh, Mark, Mark Anthony White. Mark, that's him. Yeah, yeah. He was talking about Padstow, wasn't he? And you get you get funny looks if you're not local. If you're not from Padstow. Yeah. Well, you lot impressed to do egg rolling down the hill in. Uh... Mm. I, th- I thought everyone. Park. I thought everyone yeah. did. No, that. it's just you lot. Yeah, yeah. it's just Preston. That's a weird parched one. peas as well, is that a thing? Black, no, black peas. You have parched peas all year round, but everywhere else up north, we have it just on bonfire night. 
Right. A bit of Worcester sauce in there. Come on. I put Worcester sauce on everything. Soy sauce for me. Yeah. So salty. Explains a few things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we should sign off. uh, We're coming up to two hours now, unless you've uh, anything to add, Ben. I feel uh, bad we've not really talked to you. Are you tired? You've been out of this day. Funny you say that, Matt, you said you've been painting. I've also been painting for like 48 hours. It is knackering. So it's Sistine Chapel. Emotionally drained, yeah. Have you painted for 48 hours straight, Ben? You know you can get a a robot now to do that. You played the video. Yeah, yeah, a robot drone to throw paint at walls. Yeah. I've been redoing oh, my tarot man. cards recently. I've oh. sp- I spent 75 hours so far on one this week. I've seen wow. some uh, pictures on Facebook that you posted of the yeah. process. Yeah. Why? Because people keep thinking it's AI. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what is... Have you seen AI stuff? It's like a clusterfuck LSD dream on cheese. Yeah. There's loads of fingers on every hand. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Mine's high art, darling. What's motivated you to to redesign your tarot deck? Well, I did come. I, I first did those like nine years ago, right? When I was first learning all this stuff, and uh, my life changed quite considerably. I suddenly became a stuntman <laughs> after having been a, a video producer for years, and I spent a couple of years doing stunts with fire festivals and right. other other TV gigs and stuff like that. So. Um, I just kind of put it down. I got so close. I'd spent a year on it, many, many a month. I remember one month, the only person I'd spoken to that entire month was a lady in the corner shop. Um, So I got to the end of it, and my life changed suddenly, quickly. So I just kind of I'd had one lot printed and then just left it slightly unfinished. So I've come come to it now ten years later. I just need to do a bit of a format change and a, an update on a few and, and a few I didn't like, and I, I'm going to get them re-released again. Though I sent them to a, a a famous company called Los Carabeo that prints the tarot cards, and uh, and straight away they gave me a really shitty message like they just weren't good enough. I'm like, what, what's up with you lot? It's not to our editorial standard right now. Well, what do you mean? So I looked at theirs and they were all hand painted rather than digital. Like, man, I can oh, quite understand it. Right. I'm like, well, why were they so cut? I'm like, ah, they're Italians. They like a bit of curtness to the Italians. Though I appreciated it. At least they just get on with it. And get to the point rather than funny around it like us yes. English. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, we should do more next year on the tarot because mm-hmm. we've only done like three cards or something. Well, I'd like to we do, do it because more. there's a good chance that. If nobody will print it, because it seems to do have very, um, they have certain standards and they're, they're, they're quite restricted. Um, I might do a Kickstarter, so oh yeah, so that would be nice. That'd be a good idea. And yeah, I'll get, I might get your faces in there now. Now I'm seeing them. I've definitely got one for Ben that he could be on. The fool. I'm the fool. Oh yeah, yeah the, remember fool. He's the fool. Isn't he? Uh, who else could he be? Uh, Emperor. Ben, you could be the Emperor card. Uh, the, the king of one, uh, the king of cups. You would be king of cups. Mm. Yeah. All oh, right, I like it. I mean, I've I've got some. You've got double D's, I think. <laughs> the dwarf, king of the cups. king of cups, and uh, <laughs> giant fucking lenses. Giant fucking lenses. <laughs> All right, what card am I going to be? 
the princess of fairies. Power. Oh, wow. I've got to look at David Bowie. Mm. Yeah. King of the fairies. No, I said the princess of fairies. <laughs> Same thing. I'm androgynous. I'm androgynous. I'm I don't androgynous. Care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, oh, so I, Matt will be the gremlin, I guess. There's a gremlin card. You can be the back of the cards, mate. Every single one will have your mug on the back of each one. Never get printed in that case, then, <laughs> Just the rules card at the back. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. Right. Yeah. Well, I think we should sign off for this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Saturnalia Eve, isn't it? It's nearly Saturnalia. I... Uh, Sun's getting low. Sun's getting low. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long weekend. We might do a barn raising. No promises, but we might be able to squeeze one in over the Yule tide festive Maybe. period, possibly. Betwixt uh, mess. But no promises. No. Let's uh, yeah, let's sign off. Thanks for coming, Ryan. Oh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. It was nice to do something without a hundred slides. Yes, it was. Nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was I, nice. I, 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 I confess, I did have anxiety <laughs> when. Uh, at like quarter to eight, no slides had arrived. I thought, has Ryan remembered we're doing a podcast tonight? Why haven't well, I got actually, a massive I, I do, Google I, Drive? Dialogue? I have one last thing to do then. Oh, oh let me do up. this. Right. So um, I was on Facebook and I saw a Christmas card. Often you'll see Christmas cards with like um, from the Victorian period with Amanita fire garrick mushrooms on there. You know, well, what's all that about? Well, it turns out that. Um, they cottoned on quite early to the Siberian shamans and Christmas, and they, they had a bit of a thing about it. So they celebrated this mushrooms. Famously, that led on to like Alice in Wonderland and stuff like that. So, uh, knowing that, I've seen this card, and it's got two people, two people on there with cock heads, giant cock heads, and they're running very much shaped like swastikas. So it being the, the plow constellation yeah. when when you decode Do you get this from Clinton's, Ryan? Uh, Clinton's. It was slightly different. Uh, so not many people can find it. Hey! Oh. 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 Fuck off. Uh, so it, un- underneath these two cocks, cock people that are chasing each other, it says, uh, Oh, man, stop it, will you? Right, so it's clearly supposed to be Scottish. And then... Underneath it, it says, uh, hope you have a, a Christmas that is warm and happy. It's like, that's a strange phrasing. And then in the bottom left, it's got like a, the gilded outline of a cock's foot. I'm like, this is just the strangest Christmas card I've ever seen. Apart from the snow, it's got nothing to do with Christmas. So I started reading the blurb under it. And it said, uh, so there was this short-lived thing in England where the Victorians were eating ergot in a sauce. Ergot, you'll know, uh, is uh, a smut that grows on rye particularly, is purple. Um, its Latin name is something um, something purpurea. Ergotium. Uh, ergotamine purpurea, something, whatever it is. The purple, often called the burning purple, St. Anthony's fire. And it was probably something to do with the uh, Eleusinian mysteries and, and many of these... Other yeah, mystery yeah. traditions. Yeah, immortality key. So they were making this thing called the sauce oh, from yeah. ergot. Now, I'm not sure this is true, but this is what the blurb said. And that every year in certain places around England, for a short period of time, 
They were, they were having a bit of this sauce every day up until the day before New Year's Day over the, over the Christmas period. And then they'd stop to dry out for New Year's Eve, whereas we dry out New Year's Day. They were doing New Year's Eve. And then that was the end of that. And I'm like, that's, that's just bizarre. I mean, the card's bizarre. And that is bizarre. I've never heard anything like that. And, and it just sounded a bit dodgy, but very specific. And they had this cold, uh, I hope you're warm and happy. Warm and happy was his cold. I've, I've never done any large amounts of LSD, but I'm sure you get warm and happy feelings in, in, in the right place. LSA is the precursor precursor to LSD. With this in ergot. But here's the thing. I said there was a gilded cock's foot on it. And you think think of a chicken's foot. It's got three toes at the front, one at the back. And yep. then you got a spur there, a cock spur. Another name for a spur is an ergot. Really? In fact, that's what it means. Think of it. If, what does ergot look like? It's like a little spur off, off, the, off, off a wheel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Specifically on horses, they're still called an ergot. Wow. So that was the thing that made me think that. So if anyone knows about this card, um, stick it in the comments on YouTube or let, let somebody else know. And You found it online? I found it online, yeah. Wow, what? I never knew a cockspur was synonymous yeah. with ergot. Ergot, yeah. That's wild. There's also a thieves' tongue in France called ergo. Possibly from, from that similar reference Der derivation yeah derivative it's of. like cockney rhyming slang but french yeah. wow cool that's you, cool you isn't send it? us a pit the the Christmas well this is the one slide I, w I was i was gonna bring but i thought yeah. it'd be more fun just talking about yeah i mean just for my own personal yeah well benefit I, to I, look I, at i'll send it to I'd you like to see it right interesting way. Mm. i think that was a nice place to end it excellent lovely yeah what was right it? running cocks heads yeah, you got the gist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, we shall sign off. Thanks for joining us. All you like in the chat, we've got Sam, we've got Emma, Tony, Colviet Union Survivor. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great handle. Uh, we may be back between Christmas and New Year, but don't count your chickens. Nah. Or your Yule logs. Or your Or your penis heads. If not, we'll see you on... The 7th of January, the Feast of the Epiphany. We will be here. And we'll be baptising Matt live on air. <laughs> 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 All right. Have a good Christmas, everyone. Yo, Hug down, Bye. Daddy G. See you later. Oh. Lockdown. You dirty little rats! You chicken livered shits! Chicken livered shits! Are you not entertained? Building back better. You're a big chungus. Based Sigma Chad. You're crowdless! We're looking at you, crowdless! Who's your leg? Stop being slagged! Thank you for watching. Who's got the biggest cock? Don't you take it out of it? It's literally a communist.
That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. I think you're hitting hitting the point, Phil. That uh, uh, and it really bothers me. Uh, uh. Because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. Game over, man. Game over, 